Hello and welcome to Speak the Words of Cosmere Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Mingo. This is a podcast where I, who have read all of the Cosmere books, am slowly but surely walking Not all through... of them. Okay, White Sand, White Sand isn't a book. It's a graphic novel, so it still counts. Uh, this, okay, f- so I'm way off track, but last week, or last time, nothing really happened, right, Mango? <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing happened. <laughs> it wasn't let's that big of a deal. On. Yeah, shush, 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 right? Shush, 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 shush. Uh, we yeah? don't need to go over it again. It's too yeah. painful. Yeah. Um, so, in the other stuff, though, Kaladin joined the Wall Guard in, in, in Kolinar and met High Marshal Azor, who turned out to be a woman. And then Kaladin was like, what the heck? Your leader is a woman? Your leader in fighting is a woman? Uh, so, yeah, Kaladin joined the Wall Guard, met High, Ma- High-, High Marshal Azor, found out that Azor, her, her shard blade doesn't have a gemstone on it. Is it a shard blade? So, he believes that it might be an honor blade. And that, or so either he believes that she might be a radiant, or that it might be an honor blade, and or he, that she's deliberately not choosing to dismiss it. He also notes that she has a silvery sheath for it. Oh, but it's also, not, but it, but it's not nightblood. It's not nightblood. Uh, but it's also, another magic sword that needs an aluminum sheath for it. Also, Shalon, uh, we're gonna get away from that for now. Shalon uh, is has become Robin Hood through Vale. She's stealing from rich people, you know, uh, stealing food and giving it out to poor people. And yeah, Kalinar. we skipped we skipped an entire heist. Yes, because um, it was boring. Sorry, Shalon fans. I'm one I, of you. I, I just think Robin it's a boring. Hood, yeah, look, Stan Vale. Don't stand Peter Pan. Yeah. Stan <laughs> stories about Peter Pan that acknowledge that it's kind of creepy. It's a little creepy. It's a little creepy. And K-pop groups that do uh, concepts based on creepy Peter Pan. We we stand them, but we yes, don't stand yes. Peter Pan. This week, Mango, I have this image for you. It is from Hesse's Mythica, which is a book that Shalon has been trying to get about the unmade. And this is, this page is on the taker of secrets, Saja Anat. And it says... Sajanat, creator and corrupter, unique among the unmade. And then it says, Creator, her twisted creations are her beloved children. Her admiration of the spread of our world inspires her. And under corrupter, it says, She seeks the children of honor and the children of cultivation. With one touch, she corrupts. What? So she is the one corrupting these spren in, in Kolinar. Chapter 77 is titled Storm Shelter. It has Kaladin symbol. And the epigraph reads, Something must be done about the remnants of Odium's forces. The Parsh, as they are now called, continue their war with zeal, even without their masters from damnation. From drawer 30-20, First Emerald, which is the Truth Watcher uh, gemstone. So this epigraph is after Aharetia, after the the Voidbringers have been sealed away, but but somehow Parshmen are still gaining forms of power and still waging war. We start this chapter in... um, Kaladin's point of view. Kaladin rushes into a storm shelter right before the Everstorm hits. He notices Adolin and Shallan sitting in a booth nearby. He slides into the booth with them, and Adolin tells him that Elokar is planning to reveal himself to some of the Light Eyes that night, and that he's been doing a good job. Kaladin, tell- <laughs> Kaladin tells them that he thinks Azor's blade is an honor blade, and intends to try and learn more that night. 
Shalon shows him a copy of Hesse's Mythica, a book that the urchin had found for her. It claims that there are nine unmade, though other reports speak of ten. She says that she believes that there are two unmade in the city, Sajanat, the taker of secrets, who apparently corrupts other Spren, and the other is Asher Tamarn, the heart of the revel, who leads people to indulge in excess. There's ten. There were... I would, there's always I would, ten. I would, well, there's always ten of honor. Um, well, yeah, but the con- to, like, counteract ten of honor, shouldn't there be ten of the opposition? Odium's a number as far as I can tell. Oh, wait, no, the nine, because the. Yes. Nine shadows. Never mind. Yes. So probably nine. Nine spren. Yeah. And if there is a tenth spren, it's probably not an odium spren. It's probably a other. Something else. Yeah, they assume that there's ten because ten is such a big part of their society, but But it being odium, it's nine. It's nine. (laughs) Okay. Good to know. They're worried about how hard it had been to draw off just one unmade from Yurithiru, and Shallan says that the book doesn't give any clues on how to fight them. They talk about how their only option at this uh, option option at this point is uh, to save the only city. Only option. Their only option of saving the city is to open the oath <laughs> gate and bring through forces from Yurithiru, uh, as the city wouldn't be able to hold much longer. <laughs> Keladin finishes drink and flicks away an odd Kremling that is pretty obviously part of a sleepless. We cut to Shallan's POV. Shalon and Adolin are going through a sketchbook after the Everstorm hits. Uh, he's really impressed by her sketches, including one of um, one of him. And she gets the sketchbook away from him before he could flip the page to see that the next sketches were of Cal- Kaladin. <laughs> uh, they talk about how lots of Lightweavers are artists, and Adolin tells her not to ascribe her talents to her supernatural abilities. She might have some advantages now, but she still worked hard to get to where she was. Shallan thinks that Adolin is too good for her and considers crafting a new version of herself that would be worthy of him. The real her was a bruised and sorry thing. She thought that Radiant would be a better wife to him. And she says, I need to be going. You are to meet with the cult until sunset, Adolin said. I need to steal some food first to pay them. What do you do out there, Shallan? Who do you become? Everyone, she said. Thank you for being you, Adolin. Everyone else was taken already, he mumbled. She walks off and becomes Vale, but then as she walks, her face begins to shift between many people, and her clothing keeps changing. Around her, people ducked away into buildings, frightened. Just another spren, Shallan Vale Radiant thought. That's what I am. Emotion made carnal. She finally settles into Vale and goes to meet up with Vata at the inn she'd met Widen. They plan out a heist for more food, and the innkeeper keeps the, uh, keeps bringing them or brings them drinks without them asking to try and eavesdrop on them. Time to move these meetings to another location, eh, Vata? She looked, uh, she, looked back at hit, she looked back at the table and found someone else sitting there. Vata was gone, replaced by a bald man with thick knuckles and a well-kept smock. Shalon glanced at a picture on the table, then at the drained sphere beside it, then back at Vata. Nice, she said, but you forgot to do the back of the head, the part not in the drawing. What, Vata asked, frowning. She showed him the hand mirror. Why'd you put this face on me? I didn't, Vale said, standing. You panicked and this happened. Vata prodded at his face, still looking in the mirror, confused. I'll bet the first times are, the first few times are always accidents, Vale said. She tucked the mirror away. She tells him that he's to take a break from infiltration starting the next day and begin pr- practicing with his stormlight. He says that he isn't a radiant, and she says that he'd be a squire. Brightness, Vata said. Vale, you really think that I... Storms. He seemed like he was going to cry. The illusion oh. finally dropped, and the image of Vata se- himself, so emotional, was even more striking. I can do this. Let's go steal from some rich people and give to some crazy people instead. And that is the end of the chapter. 
Chapter 78 is titled The Revel, and it has Shallan symbol. The epigraph reads, A coalition has been formed among scholar radiants. Our goal is to deny the enemy their supply of void light. This will prevent their continuing transformations and give us an edge in combat. From drawer 30-20, second emerald. So continuing from the previous epigraph from a truth watcher. We start the chapter in Vale's POV. Vale arrives at the base of the Oathgate platform with lots of food that the cult unloads. And the cultists tell her to climb up the Oathgate steps and meet her guide at the top. And she begins to climb up them. We cut to Kaladin. And Kaladin is standing on the top of the wall waiting for his squad so that they can go eat. Azor arrived and did a formal inspection of the men, then sat down to eat. Noro had invited uh, Kaladin to eat with the High Marshal, as he wanted Kaladin promoted to lieutenant. He waited till one of the people sitting directly across from Azor moved, then took their seat. And we cut back to Vale. Vale got to the top of the platform and met her guide, a man in ripped and food-stained ardent robes. He gives her a new name, Kishi, and says that he thinks he has been given the name Karat. They begin to make their way into the revel. A bonfire burned right on the ground. Corrupted flame spren danced inside of it. Tables lined the walkway here, piled with food. A variety of people passed by, occasionally scooping food off the tables with their bare hands. They laughed and shouted. The people's clothing was ripped and torn. Slave, safe hand sleeves had been torn off and discarded. Shalon tries to go further inward to the Oathgate control building, but Karat tells her that for her first night, she has to stay in the outer ring. She reluctantly let herself be pulled along. However, not long after starting, she began to hear the voice again. Let go. Give up your pain. Feast. Indulge. Embrace the end. Karat stuck his fingers into some kind of creamy dessert, taking it by the handful. His eyes had glazed over, and he muttered to himself as he pushed the food into his mouth. Though others laughed and even danced, most showed that same glassy look. There was just so much food, tables and tables of it. People moved in buildings they passed, engaging in other carnal delights. She can't get away from Karat, so she takes him to one of the buildings on the platform, where people are banging, and she tells him that she wants to sit down in one of the rooms for a bit. He tries to follow her, as he says to, that he's to watch her, and she tells him to watch from the door. Vale uses light weaving to shift her face to someone from earlier, and changes her clothing so that it looks ragged and has an exposed safe hand. She sends Pattern to whisper to Karat the same words she had heard, to get him, uh, heard earlier to get him to leave. He gets up and tells her not to go anywhere. She sets up an illusion of Vale sitting in the room, then left to join the revel again, shifting into the woman, Kishi. The secrets were farther toward the center. Nobody forbade Kishi as she left the flow of the outer ring, stepping between two buildings, heading inward. And we cut to Kaladin's POV. The table grows quiet as Kaladin sits down across from Azor. They go back and forth about the state of the wall guard, with Kaladin being way too forward with her. He directly asks her about her shard blade, which prompts her to poke at his slave brands again. She asks how he'd traveled so far from Sadius' armies to the city, and he tells her that he flew, then asks why she didn't seem to have existed until now. I am your commanding officer, you realize. You should answer me when I ask questions. I've given answers, Kaladin said. If they aren't the ones you want, then perhaps your questions aren't very good. Noro gasped audibly. And you, Cal? You make statements dripping with implications. You want answers? Why not just ask? Kaladin looked her in the eyes. Why won't you let anyone talk about the fact that you're a woman, Azor? 
They came up with this game on their own, Azor said. They're a lethe, so they need an excuse for why they're listening to a woman giving military orders. Pretending there's some mystery focus them, focuses them on that, instead of on masculine pride. I find the entire thing silly. She leaned forward. Tell me honestly, did you come here chasing me? Kaladin cocked his head. Drums sounded in the near distance. Kaladin and Azor threw themselves back from the bench at nearly the same time. To arms, Kaladin shouted. There's an attack on the wall. And we cut back to Vale's point of view. The next ring inward on the Oathgate platform was filled with people crawling. Kishi stood at the perimeter, watching a multitude of men and women in ragged finery cr uh, crawl past her, giggling, moaning, or gasping. Each seemed in the thrall of a different emotion, and each stared with an openly maddened expression. A woman with long hair dragging on the ground looked toward her, grinning with clenched teeth and bleeding gums. She crawled one hand after another, her, her hava shredded and faded. She was followed by a man in ripped clothing. He giggled incessantly. The food on the tables here rotted and was infested with decay spren. Kishi wavered at the edge of the ring. Vale gasped, letting Kishi burst from her, light weaving collapsing. She had to be away from this place. It was doing things to her brain. She picked her way across the street full of crawling people. Their moaning, chittering, and babbling chased her as she crossed the street, then hurried down a dark pathway toward the control building. Instead of the control building, she found an overgrown mass. Something had covered the entire structure, like the Midnight Mother had enveloped the gemstone pillar beneath Eurythiru. Give in. Join the revel. Shalon, listen to me. That last voice had been different. She'd heard it before, hadn't she? She looked to the side and found her shadow on the ground, pointed the wrong way toward the moonlight instead of away from it. The shadow crept up the wall with eyes that were white holes glowing faintly. I am not your enemy, but the heart is a trap. Take caution. Distantly, drums started sounding on the top of the wall. The Voidbringers were attacking. It all threatened to overwhelm her. Vale seized control. It was time to get out. She turned and put on Kishi's face. She crossed the stream of crawling, moaning people. She flowed back into the outer ring of revelers before slipping out. She didn't check on her guide. She walked to the rim of the Oathgate platform and, without a look back, leaped off. And that is the end of the chapter. Fucking, fucking gross. The Asher Tamar is gross. Making all those people nasty. Chapter 79 is titled Echoes of Thunder and it has a Kaladin symbol. The epigraph reads, Our revelation is fueled by the theory that the unmade can perhaps be captured like ordinary spren. It would require a special prison, and Milishi, from drawer 30-20, Third Emerald. So they're, they're positing that they, they could somehow trap a unmade in a gemstone, like normal spren can be. And force it to do your bidding. Well, I don't know about force it to do your bidding, but keep it from affecting the world. Kaladin charged up the stairwell beside High Marshal Azor. That's my section under assault. Damnation, these creatures, Azor muttered. I'm missing something, like white on black. She glanced at Kaladin. Just tell me, who are you? Who are you? You recognize that phrase, Mango? Like white on black? No. We've only heard one other person use that phrase in Stormlight. Zahel uses that phrase. Vasher uses that phrase. Mango, when we read Warbreaker, did I forget to mention that Vivenna is an Oathbringer? Yeah. Also, where'd she get another magic sword? Hi, <laughs> Marshal Azor is Vivenna. Where'd she get another sword? Where did another she get a magic, magic sword? sword? Her, and, her and Vasher went off and did some stuff at the end of uh, Warbreaker, so who knows what happened in between. But yes, Azor, Azor is Vivenna. 
Yay! But also what? But also what? <laughs> Where is her? Who made her sword? <laughs> who who made the sword? What happened after Warbreaker? I'd love to know. Sanderson, if you want to write that sequel, please do. I'd love to know. The two burst out of the stairwell onto the wall's top, entering a scene of chaos. Fused swooped, trailing dark violet light, attacking with long, bloodied lances. Men lay screaming on the ground or huddled in pairs, holding up shields. Kaladin and Azor exchanged a look, then nodded to one another. Later. She broke left and Kaladin, Kaladin da dashed right, shouting for men to form up. Kaladin scooped a shield off the ground and seized a soldier by the arm, towing him around and locking shields. A swooping lance clanged off the metal, sending a jolt through Kaladin. The Voidbringer flew past. Kaladin ignored the wounded and bleeding. He pulled the scattered remnants of the 8th platoon back together while his own men stumbled to a halt outside the stairwell. These were their friends, the people with whom they shared a barrack. To your right and up, Sil shouted. Kaladin set himself and used his shield to push aside the lance of a Voidbringer who soared past. A second Voidbringer followed. Her lance pinned Captain Didanor against the wall's battlements, then lifted him and tossed him over. He screamed as he plummeted toward the ground below. Kaladin almost broke rank and ran for him, but held himself in the line by force. Nobody voiced a complaint as he gave commands. Kaladin heard shouts from the High Marshal further down the wall. As, two, as his two squads finally got a proper shield wall mounted, a human corpse slammed down onto the wall walk nearby, and had been dropped from very high up. We can't fight these things, Kaladin thought. The Voidbringers attacked in sweeping dives, coming in from all directions. He started to call out orders, but a fused passed by, slapping at their pikes with a large shield. Before the men could get them reoriented, another crashed down into the center of them, sending soldiers stumbling. It swept around with its lance. Kaladin ducked by instinct, the fused grinned as the formation disintegrated. Kaladin leveled his pike, but the creature, creature lunged, along, lunged along it and pressed its hand against Kaladin's chest. He felt himself grow lighter, but also suddenly began to fall backward. The creature had lashed him. Kaladin fell back, falling along the wall toward a group of his men. The fused wanted Kaladin to crash into them, but it had made a mistake. The sky was his. Kaladin responded immediately to the lashing and reoriented himself in the blink of an eye. Kaladin was able to shove against the stone with the end of his pike, so he whooshed past his men instead of crashing into them. He twisted, falling feet first toward the guard tower below. He was able to nudge himself, so he fell right into the open doorway. He caught the lip of the doorway as he passed through it. When he swung and let go, he dropped through the room and landed on the opposite wall inside the building. He stepped over to the other doorway, which looked out onto the walk where he'd positioned Noro's squad. Kaladin, Sil said, above! He looked upward and out the doorway he'd come through. The Voidbringer who had lashed him came soaring downward, carrying a lance. It curved to bypass the tower, preparing to whip around and attack Beard and the other men on the other side. Kaladin growled and dashed along the inside wall of the tower, pulled himself up past the table, then hurled himself out a window. He crashed into the Voidbringer in midair, shoving the creature's land to the side. A lance to the side. Leave my men alone! Kaladin, Kaladin clung to the clothing of the monsters, spinning in the air dozens of feet above the city. The Voidbringer lashed them higher. Holding tightly with his hand, Kaladin reached out with his right and summoned Sil as a long knife. She appeared immediately, and Kaladin shoved the shard blade into the creature's stomach. The Voidbringer grunted. It dropped its lance and began to claw at Kaladin while spinning itself in the air, trying to throw him free. They can survive wounds, Kaladin thought, as the thing gripped at his neck. Like radiance, that void light sustains them. He tried to maneuver the shard knife and cut the thing's spine. The Voidbringer grunted, then lashed itself back downward toward the wall. Kaladin Sil's, Sil's voice. 
I sense something. Something about its power. Cut upward, toward the heart. The city, the battle, the sky all became a blur. Kaladin forced his blade farther into the creature's chest, pushing it upward, seeking... The shard knife struck something brittle and hard. The fused eyes, uh, uh, red eyes, winked out. Kaladin twisted, putting the corpse beneath him in the wall walk. They hit hard, and he bounced off the corpse, then hit the stones with a crack. The Voidbringer stared sightlessly from the wall walk beside him. It was dead. Ahead, the other fused began streaking away in retreat, leaving a broken and battered group of guards. Kaladin stumbled to his feet. This city is doomed, Kaladin thought. We might all be doomed. We're not anywhere near ready to fight these things. It looked like Noro's squad, at least, had survived. They jogged down the wall and gathered around the Voidbringer Kaladin had killed. You killed one, Beard said. You actually killed one, Cal. How many have you brought down, Kaladin asked. How many has the wall guard killed during the assaults these last weeks? His men shared glances. Azor drove a few off, Noro said. They were afraid of her shard blade. But as for the Voidbr as for Voidbringers killed, this would be the first, Cal. I need to talk to Azor, he said. She had her cloak her cloak off and held oddly in one hand, wrapped around her forearm, with part of it draping down below. Her unsheathed shard blade glittered long and silvery. So her shard blade is not as destructive as Nightblood is. So it can um, be out without killing people. Yes. Sanderson has raffled what command they used to create her shard blade. Nightblood was destroy evil, but we don't know what hers was. We'll probably find out when we get the mm. sequel, if we get yeah. the sequel. Please, please, dear God. Kaladin stepped up to her. Azor looked tired. Have a look. Lights lit the horizon. Thousands upon thousands of them. That's the entire enemy army. I bet my red life on it. Somehow they marched them through the storm earlier today. It won't be long now. They'll have to attack before the next high storm. A few days at most. I need to know what's going on here, Kaladin said. How are you getting food for this army? She drew her lips to a line. He killed one, High Marshal, Beard whispered from behind him. Storms, he took one of them down. Grabbed on like he was mounting a storming horse that rode the bastard through the sky. The woman studied him, and reluctantly, Kaladin summoned, summoned Sill as a shard blade. Noro's eyes bulged and Ved nearly fainted, though Beard just grinned. I'm here, Kaladin said, on orders from, high, uh, from King Elokar and the Blackthorn. It's my job to save Kolinar, and it's time you started talking to me. She smiled at him. Come with me. Let's go. It's so yeah. surreal now, knowing yeah. that this is Vivenna. Yep. It's so it's weird. It's Vivenna. Mingo, I read this book before I read Warbreaker. This is surreal for me, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't I, know I, it was someone important. I mean, I knew. I Because when, when Zahel showed up, I was like, what am I missing? And I found out that Zahel was from Warbreaker. And I knew that, like, I knew that she was also from Warbreaker, but I didn't know her, you know? I hadn't read a whole book about her at that point. And you don't even realize that that is the version no. that is her until, like, the end of Warbreaker. Because, like, you need the context of the entirety of Warbreaker to be able to figure out yeah. who this is. Yeah. It's, it's great. Also, she clearly has had a lot more practice of fighting than yes. before. <laughs> So, chapter 80 is titled Oblivious, it has Shallan's symbol, and the epigraph reads, Ba'ido Mishram has somehow connected with the Parsh people, as Odium once did. She provides void light and facilitates forms of power. Our strike team is going to imprison her. From drawer 30-20, 4th Emerald.
The urchin that Vale had been dealing with wasn't at his normal spot. She was about to leave when he finally appeared. She gives him a little bit of food, and when he asks what she needs, he tells her that she's fine for now. She thinks something is off and tells him that she'll be back in a few days with a big haul. She left and waited to see if somebody followed her, but when nobody did, she returned to the boy. Told you he shouldn't have given her the book, a voice was saying. This is pathetic, another said. Pathetic. That was the best you could do? She heard a grunt and a whimper. Vale cursed softly, scrambling around to look in through the window. A group of thugs were chewing on the flatbread she'd brought. Grund, uh, the boy, Grund lay in the corner, whimpering and holding his stomach. She shouted at the men and dashed through the doorway. They immediately scattered, though one slammed a cudgel into Grund's head with a sickening crunch. <gasps> By the time she reached Grund, the men had vanished farther into the building. She heard the door in the back slam closed. Vale knelt, aghast at the bloody wound in Grun's head. It was bad. The skull was broken, bleeding. He blinked, dazed. Storms, Grun, she whispered. I... What could she do? Help? Help, somebody! There's a wounded child in here! Grun whimpered, then whispered something. Vale leaned closer, feeling useless. Hate, Grun whispered. Hate you. It's all right, Vale said. They're gone now. They... They ran. I'll help. Hate you, Grun whispered. It's me, Grunt, not those others. Why couldn't you leave me alone? He whispered. They killed them all. My friends? Ty? Vale pressed cloth against his head wound and he winced. Quiet, don't exert yourself. Hate you, he repeated. I brought you food, Grunt. You drew them. You strutted around throwing food. You thought people wouldn't notice? He closed his eyes. Had to sit all day. Wait for you. My life was waiting for you. If I wasn't here when you came, or if I tried to hide the food, they beat me. How long, she whispered. Since the first day, you storming woman. I hate you. Others, too. We all hate you. She sat with him as his breathing slowed, then cut off. Finally, she knelt back, bloodied cloth in her hands. Too much. Too much for one day. She shifts to Shalon, and Shalon goes to check on the others she had been feeding, and finds Murray, a mother, hastily packing bags. She looked up, saw Shalon, and cursed to herself. You. You know already, Shalon asked, about Grund? Grund? All I know is that the Grips are angry about something. I'm not going to take a chance. The Grips? How oblivious are you, woman? The gang in charge of this area has had toughs watching us all for when you next arrived. The one watching me met with another, and they had a quiet argument, then took off. I heard my name, so I'm leaving. They took the food I gave you, didn't they? Storms, they killed Grund. Murray stopped. Poor kid. Better you than he. She cursed. We always had to sit here, waiting for you and your storming sack of goodies. I'm... I'm sorry. Murray left into the night with her children. Shalon watched them go, feeling numb, empty. She quietly sank down in Murray's deserted room, still holding the cloth with Grun's blood. And that is the end of the chapter. Chapter 81, Ethy and Her Sister. It has Kaladin's symbol, and the epigraph reads... We are uncertain the effect this will have on the Parsh. At the very least, it should deny them forms of power. Milishi is confident, but Ney's daughter Kuzoto warns us of unintended side effects. From drawer 30-20, Fifth Emerald. So what you should be taking from these epigraphs is that after Odium left, like after Odium was like pushed away with the Oath Pact being um, set back up when Tolan went back during Arhaetium, one of the uh, unmade, Ba'idil Mishram, was continuing to give the uh, Parshman forms of power, or the, the, the singers forms of power. And so 
The Radiants put together a coalition that went to trap Ba'ido Mishram in a, in a gemstone. And the implication here is this is what results in the creating of the Parshman. When they trapped Baido Mishram, something went terribly wrong and stole the minds from most of the listeners or singers that had been connected to her. The only people that got away from it were the listeners because they had fled away and were not had not been accepting Baido Mishram's help. Kaladin is explaining his mission in the city to uh, Azor and the the squad. Azor takes him and his squad to a hidden room in the back of the barracks. Beard asks if Kaladin knows that Beard never met Dalinar, and when Kaladin is like, yeah, I know you never met Dalinar, Beard is like, all right, good, I just, you know, really, I met the Azish Emperor, but I just thought you wouldn't believe me. Um, Azor shows them a place where she's been cutting out chunks of stone with her shard blade, then leads them to a w- room with an old female ardent wearing a soul caster. The woman had an inhum- inhuman look to her. Uh, she seemed to be growing vines under her skin and they peeked out around her eyes, growing from the corners and spreading down her face like runners of ivy. How? Kaladin asked. Why didn't the screamers come for you? Azor pointed at the sides of the room, and for the first time, Kaladin noticed the walls were covered in reflective metal plates. He frowned and rested his fingers against one and found it cool to the touch. This wasn't steel, was it? Soon after the strangers at the palace began, Azor said, a man pulled a chul cart up to the front of our barrack. He had these sheets of metal in the back. He was an odd fellow. I've had interactions with him before. Angular features, quick with an insult, silly and straight, somehow all at once. You know him, I see. He warned us to only soul cast inside a room lined with this metal. So far as we can tell, it prevents the screamers from sensing us. Unfortunately, it also blocks span reads from contacting the outside. We kept poor Ethi and her sister working non-stop, trading off the soul caster. Feeding the entire city would be an impossible task for the two of them, but we'd been able to at least keep our army strong, with some despair. This wasn't going to help him use his powers without notice. Alright, Stormblessed, I've opened our secret to you. Now you'll tell me how the king would, could expect one man, even a shardbearer, to be able to save this city. There's a device in Kolinar, he said, of ancient design. It can instantly transport large groups of people across great distances. He turned toward Azor and the others. The Kolin armies wait to join us here. All we need to do is activate the device, something that only a select few people few people can do. The soldiers looked stunned, all but Azor who perked up. Really? You're serious? Kaladin nodded. Great! Let's get this thing working! Where is it? Kaladin took a deep breath. Well, that happens to be the problem. Uh, we have one more chapter, because I want to get us to the end of part three for next Monday, so we won't have to record on Thursday. Chapter 82, The Girl Who Stood Up. It has Shallan's uh, chapter symbol, and the epigraph reads, Surely this will bring at long last the end to the war that the heralds promised us. From drawer 30-20, Final Emerald. Shallan huddled someplace. She forgot, she'd forgotten where. For a while, she'd been everybody. A hundred faces, cycling one after another. Darkness. A candle snuffed out. A scream cut off. With nothing to see, her mind provided images. Her father, his face turning purple as she strangled him, singing a lullaby. Her mother, dead with burned eyes. Tin run through by pattern. Capsule shaking on the floor as he succumbed to poison. Yalb, the incorrigible sailor from Wind's Pleasure, dead in the depths of the sea. An unnamed coachman, murdered by members of the Ghost Bloods. Now Grund, his head opened up. Vale had tried to help these people, but had succeeded only in making their lives worse. The whole city was depending on her, but she hadn't even been able to save a little beggar boy. 
Light pushed shadows before it, long and slender. She blinked, momentarily transfixed. A figure stepped into the common room outside her little hole of a chamber. She sniffled softly. The newcomer brought his light to the doorway, then carefully stepped inside and settled down across from her, his back against the wall. Wit didn't speak. I should have known better, she finally whispered. Perhaps. Giving out so much food only drew predators. Foolish. I should have focused on the oath gate. Again, perhaps. It's so hard, Wit. When I wear Vale's face, I, I have to think like her. Seeing the larger scope grows difficult when she takes over. And I want her to take over, because she's not me. The thieves who killed that child have, see have been seen to, Wit said. She looked up at him. When some of the men in the market heard what had happened, they finally formed the militia they'd been talking about. They rushed to the grips, forcing them to give up the murderer, then disperse. I apologize for not acting sooner. I had been distracted by other tasks. You'll be pleased to know that some of the food you gave away was still in their base. Was it worth the that boy's life? I cannot judge the worth of a life. I would not dare to attempt it. Murray said it would be better if I were dead. As I lack the experience to decide what the worth of a life, I sincerely doubt that she has somehow obtained it. You tried to help the people of the market. You mostly failed. This is life. The longer you live, the more you fail. Failure is the mark of a life well lived. In turn, the only way to live life without failure is to be of no use to anyone. Trust me, I've practiced. She sniffled, looking away. That's one of you the quotes be... that you sent me before. Was it? The longer you live, the... That whole quote. The... Oh, you okay. You sent that to me before. There's, this whole scene is one of my favorite scenes in all of Stormlight. <laughs> uh, she, sniffed away, looki uh, she sniffed, looking away. I have to become Vale to escape the memories, but I don't have the experience that she pretends to have. I haven't lived her life. No, Wit said softly. You lived a harsher one, haven't you? Yet still somehow a naive one. Wit settled back. Have you heard the story of the girl who looked up? Shallan didn't reply. If you remember, this is a story that Shallan told to Pattern way earlier in the book, in Yurithiru. It's a story from long ago. Things were different in that time. A wall kept out the storms, but everyone ignored it. All but one girl, who looked up one day and contemplated it. Why is there a wall? Shallan whispered. Oh, so you do know it. Good. He leaned down, blowing at the dust on the floor. It swirled up, making a figure of a girl. It gave the brief impression of her standing before a wall. He tried again, and it swirled a little higher this time, but still fell back to dust. A little help, he asked. Shallan sighed and drew in the stormlight, weaving it into an illusion she'd done once before. A village and a young girl standing and looking upward, toward an impossibly tall wall in the distance. The illusion made the room seem to vanish. Somehow, Shallan painted the walls and ceiling in precisely the, s the right way, making them disappear into the landscape. Shallan stepped up beside the girl, who wore long scarves. Wit stepped up on the other side. Hmm. Not bad, but it's not dark enough. What? I thought you knew the story, Wit said, tapping the air. The color and light bled from her illusion. In these days, there was no light. No light? Of course. Even without light, people still had to live, didn't they? That's what people do. I hasten to guess it's the first thing they learn how to do. So they lived in the darkness, fa farmed in the darkness, ate in the darkness. And so she decided that the only way she'd find answers would be to climb the wall herself. He glanced at Shallan. Was she stupid or bold? How should I know? Wrong answer. She was both. It wasn't stupid. If nobody asked questions, then we would never learn anything. What of the wisdom of our her elders? They offered no explanation for why she shouldn't ask about the wall. No re rationalization. No justification. There's a difference between listening to your elders and just being as frightened as everyone else. 
Witz smiled. Funny, isn't it, how so many of our stories start the same way, but have opposing endings. In half, the child ignores her parents, wanders out into the woods, and gets eaten. In the other half, she discovers great wonders. There aren't many stories about the kids who say, Yes, I shall not go into the forest. I'm glad my parents explained that is where the monsters live. Is that what you're trying to teach me, then? That the fine distinction between choosing for yourself and ignoring good advice? I'm a terrible teacher. He waved his hand as the girl reached the wall. She started to climb. Fortunately, I am an artist, and not a teacher. People learn things from art. Blasphemy. Art is not art if it has a function. Shalon rolled her eyes. Take this fork. Uh, he waved his hand. Some of her stormlights split off from her, spinning above his hand and making an image of a floating fork in the darkness. It has a use. Eating. Now, if it were to be ornamented by a master artisan, would that change its function? No, of course not. It has the same use, ornamented or not. The art is the part that serves no purpose. It makes me happy, Wit. That's a purpose. He grinned and the fork disappeared. Were we in the middle of a story about a girl climbing a wall? Yes, but that part takes forever. I'm finding things to occupy us. We could just skip the boring part. Skip? Skip part of a story? Shallan snapped her fingers and the illusion shifted so that they stood atop the wall in the darkness. You wound me. What happens next? The girl finds steps, and the girl realizes that the wall wasn't to keep something in, but to keep her and her people out. Because? Because we're monsters. Witch stepped over to Shallan, then quietly folded his arms around her. She trembled, then twisted, burying her face in his shirt. You're not a monster, Shallan. Oh, child, the world is monstrous at times, and there are those who would have you believe that you are terrible by association. I am. No, for you see it flows the other direction. You are not worse for your association with the world, but it is better for its association with you. What do I do, Wit? I know... I know I shouldn't be in so much pain. I had to... I had to kill them. I had to. But now I've said the words and I can't ignore it anymore. So I should... should just die, for ha too, for having done it. Wit waved to the side, toward where the girl in the scarves still overlooked a new world. So you remember the rest of the story? It's not important. We found the mor moral already. The wall kept people out. Why? Because. Because, Wit said, beyond the wall was God's light. It burst a light in a sudden explosion, a brilliant and powerful brightness that lit the landscape beyond the wall. Shallan gasped as it shone over them. She climbed down the steps, Shallan whispered. She hid among the creatures who lived on this side. She sneaked up to the light and she brought it back with her. To the other side. To the... to the land of shadows. Yes, indeed, Wit said as the scene played out. The girl in the scarves slipping up to the grand source of light, then breaking off in a, li a little piece in her hand. An incredible chase. The girl climbing the steps frantically. A crazed descent. And then, light for the first time in the village, followed by the coming of the storms. The people suffered, but each storm brought light renewed, for it could never be put back, now that it had been taken, now that it had been taken. And people, for all their hardship, would never choose to go back. Not now that they could see. The illusion faded. Shallan pulled back, ashamed at having wept on his shirt. Do you wish that you could go back to not being able to see? No, she whispered. Then live, and let your failures be part of you. That sounds... that sounds an awful lot like a moral wit, like you're trying to do something useful. Well, as I said, we all fail now and then. He swept his hands to the sides as if brushing something away from Shallan. Stormlight curled out from her, right and left, swirling, then forming into two identical versions of Shallan. Wit, she started. Hush. He walked up to one of the illusions, inspecting it. A lot has happened to this, po to this poor girl, hasn't it?
Many people have suffered more and they get along fine. Fine. The illusion of Shallan to the left gasped, then backed up against the wall of the room, shaking her head. She collapsed, head down against her legs, curling up. Poor fool, Shallan whispered. Everything she tries only makes the world worse. She was broken by her father, then broke herself in turn. She's worthless, Wit. She gritted her teeth, found herself sneering. It's not really her fault, but she's still worthless. Wit grunted, then pointed to the other illusion. And that one? No different, Shallan said. She gave the second illusion the same memories. The illusory Shallan stiffened, then set her jaw and stood there. Yes, I see. No different. What are you doing to my illusions? Nothing. They're the same in every detail. Of course they're not, Shallan said, tapping the illusion, feeling it. A sense pulsed through her from it. Memories and pain. And... and something smothering them. Forgiveness. For herself. She gasped, pulling her finger back as if it had been bitten. It's terrible, Wit said, stepping up beside her, to have been hurt. It's unfair and awful and horrid. But Shallan, it's okay to live on. She shook her head. Your other minds take over, because they look so much more appealing. You'll never control them until you're confident in returning to the one who birthed them, until you accept being you. Then I'll never control it. She blinked tears. No, you will, Shallan. If you do not trust yourself, can you trust me? For in you I see a woman more wonderful than any of the lies. I promise you, that woman is worth protecting. You are worth protecting. I can't be here. She's just another fabrication. I see only one woman here, and it's the one who is standing up, Shallan. That has always been you. You just have to admit it. Allow it. He whispered to her, It's all right to hurt. He picked up his pack, then unfolded something from inside it. Vale's hat. He pressed the hat into her palm. Wit, she asked. I... I can't do it. He smiled. There are certain things I know, Shallan. This is one of them. You can. Find the balance. Accept the pain, but don't accept that you deserved it. Pattern hummed in appreciation of that. Wit collected his things, pack over his shoulder. He smiled, then stepped out into the light. Shallan walked back to the tailor's shop where Adolin was waiting for her. He pulled her in a, into an embrace and said that they had been all been worried when she didn't return last night. He finally releases her and compliments her on Vale's outfit, which she was still wearing. They're interrupted by the sound of marching and wonder if it's the cult of moments. They looked out at the street and found Kaladin approaching along with what seemed to be an army of five or six hundred men, wearing the uniforms of the wall guard. Adolin sighed softly. Of course. He's probably their leader now or something. Storming bridge boy. Kaladin marched his men right up to the front of the tailor's shop. She and Adolin stepped out to meet him, and she heard Elokar scrambling down the steps inside. Kaladin was speaking softly with the woman in armor. The soldiers grew hushed as they saw Adolin, then the king. So that's what you meant, Azor said to Kaladin. Stormblessed? Elokar asked. What is this? You've been wanting an army to attack the palace, your majesty, Kaladin said. Well, we're ready. And that is where we will end for now. For now... You guys can follow us on Twitter at SpeakStormlight. You guys can join our Discord server. The link to do so is in the episode description. You guys can email us at speakthewordsasp at gmail.com. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore AFK. Our cover art was made by our good friend Alks at Alks underscore Beakboy on Twitter. Check them out. They do good work. Uh, for now, as always, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination.